Welcome, everyone. It's that time again for another episode of Dirt Road Discussions, where we're all about agriculture all the time. I'm your host, Cam Hammond. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Ott Clark. Ott, how are you doing today? Cameron, I am doing very good, and I am excited uh, for this podcast. I am as well. I think we've got a really great show today, Um, one that's pretty interesting, and I think one that our our viewers, our listeners, I should say, are going to enjoy. So first off, Ott, before we get started, I I just have a quick question for you. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like potatoes? Uh, Cameron, I was born and raised in Snake River, Idaho. Uh, Blackfoot, Idaho is, is right, you know, five miles away. We have the Potato Museum is right there in my backyard. Uh, I think that we ate potatoes for every single meal growing up, <laughs> and I never got tired of them. I could eat a potato right now. I could eat one tomorrow. I could eat one with a cow. Uh, anything that you'd ever want, it's better with potatoes. Oh, I'm, I'm with you there. I same type deal. Grew up on a potato farm, been around potatoes, um, my whole life and have eaten them just like you about every way possible, but we're going to learn something new today about a, a different use for potatoes and one that I wasn't as familiar with. So potatoes are super versatile. Uh, you can mash them, fry them, pretty much do anything with them. We've all probably eaten some form of potatoes, right? But have you ever wondered about consuming potatoes as a beverage. Well, today we're going to be talking to someone who is heavily involved in this. And I guess with that, uh, no more hesitating here. Forgive the pun. Uh, but let's get started with this episode. Today we are joined by Andrew Bozar. Andrew is the Vice President of Strategic Planning for Grand Teton Distillery in Driggs, Idaho. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today on Dirt Road Discussions. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The pleasure is ours. We are excited to to touch more about uh, touch on more about what you do at the distillery there, specifically with potatoes. And uh, we're looking forward to a really good uh, discussion here. So, Andrew, to get us started, would you mind just talking a little bit about yourself, uh, about your background, and and what you do exactly for Grand Teton Distillery? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. My background literally has nothing to do with potatoes <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or distilling. Uh, I was a software developer uh, before I moved out to Idaho uh, to help my family company uh, with the distillery that they had started. Um, so it, it probably doesn't relate much to, to that. And uh, I've learned a lot about potatoes and about distilling in the past six years, though. But I, I had none of that knowledge beforehand. Interesting. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, where did you move from and, and how have you enjoyed Idaho so far? Sure. Yeah. I, I moved from Tampa, Florida, uh, born and raised in Florida. I went to University of South Florida in Tampa. My parents moved out here uh, in 06 after meeting a couple on a cruise that had a second home here. They came out here uh, and just like most Floridians, they had to get a winter home. Uh, that they could go to when it's uh, too hot in Florida during the summer. So now they are, they've been snowbirds for the past 16 years, going back and forth between here and Florida. Mm. Andrew, I was going to mention, you went from Florida to one of the coldest places in Idaho over there along the Tetons. Uh, I prefer the cold myself. I actually do not like being hot whatsoever. 
so a lot of the times in Florida, it was miserable. Uh, if you've ever been to Florida, uh, walking outside in the summer feels like you're in a sauna, even in even in the shade. And so my my like I said, my parents have been here for for 16 years, and I've always come out here for Christmas and for the holidays. Uh, and I didn't actually see a summer out here uh, until I officially moved out here because all the times I came out here was during winter time because there's six months of winter. Well, I'd like to to get us started here on this podcast. Uh, you know, Idaho is the potato state. Everybody knows Idaho is the potato state, and you guys are making potato vodka. How have the the locals uh, bought into you guys using your potatoes for for drinking rather than your potatoes for eating? Uh, I think it's been very well received. You know, this and the rest of the country, people don't really know. People, a lot of people think all vodkas are made from potatoes, but actually, less than five percent of vodkas are made from potatoes, and you don't actually find a lot of potato vodkas in the rest of the country, but being a potato producing state, we actually have quite a few options for potato vodka here. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, going back to, you, you mentioned that I think your parents moved here 16 years ago. I'm just kind of curious how that concept for coming here and opening up a distillery, how did that come to be? What was their, how did that all start? So they, they actually didn't, weren't planning to build a distillery. Uh, they bought this, the land where the distillery sits uh, with the idea of building a hotel on it. They had all the plans, everything ready to go for it. And this was in 2007. In 2008, they started uh, clearing the land and construction. Uh, then the market crashed. The bank that was actually doing the, the loan is now a US bank. <laughs> it went under. Hmm. So they did not end up building. So they luckily they didn't build because it probably would have failed right away because there was nobody coming here and building or going on vacation for quite a while. Uh, after that crash. So they kind of just sat on the land for three years, didn't know what they were going to do with it uh, until they were just sitting on their porch drinking one night. Uh, they could see, I actually can see this land from the, where they live uh, up in Tetonia and just kind of thought out loud, you know, we're surrounded by thousands of acres of potatoes. Don't they make vodka from that? Why don't we do that? They being the kind of entrepreneurial people, they started all the plans on it. Uh, they called up my brother, who's been a bartender in Indianapolis for the past 15 years before he started here. Uh, they asked him if he wanted to come out and be the head distiller. Uh, and his response was, uh, that's actually the first idea that you've had that I would want to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've had quite a few uh, business ideas uh, in the past. And just like that, the idea was born. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So. I assume that making uh, vodka and world-class vodka isn't just, you know, putting a couple potatoes into a jar and fermenting them for, uh, you know, four months. Can you kind of walk us through the process? Maybe, you know, at a, a freshman in high school level intelligence. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so we actually use potato flakes. Um, so they're dehydrated potatoes because, you know, a potato's weight is about 80% water. Uh, and we're not interested in that or really any of the other nutrients. We're only interested in the starch of the potato. The potato flakes give us a lot longer shelf life and a lot more storage space because, you know, a pound of that is equal to three to four pounds of a whole potato. So we would have no place to put all of those, not to mention all the time and energy to process all of them. We take those uh, instant flakes, in a sense, we rehydrate them, we cook them. Um, during that cooking process, we add what are called alpha and glucoamylases. Uh, those break down the starches into simple sugars, which is what yeasts like to eat. 
Uh, we'll then pump it over into one of our fermentation tanks. Uh, we'll pitch our yeast in, and that yeast will work for seven days, uh, turning all those sugars into alcohols and CO2. For basically, for every pound, uh, every pound of sugar you have, you'll create about a half a pound of alcohol and a half a pound of CO2. Uh, we'll then take that fermentation. Uh, we'll pump it into our still. We will distill it. Uh, it'll create what are called low wines. Uh, so they're not quite a vodka yet. Uh, they're just in between alcohol level, uh, usually about 50 to 60% alcohol. And when, then we'll run that low wines over into our column still, which will then distill it all the way up to 95%, which is the requirement to be called a vodka. So you can make a vodka out of any base ingredient. The only requirement is that it's distilled over 95% alcohol. And you mentioned that potato vodkas are around 5%. Uh, with, And I'm just kind of curious to follow up on that with the potato flakes, the, the flakes that you get the I know from, from the potatoes, I know there's a lot of different varieties of, of spuds, but um, are those flakes from russets or are they from yellows or, or, or is, it, is it a variety? They're from russets. Yeah, it's no variety at all. And it. it's just a russet. And they come from all the uh, dehydrating plant is in Ryrie. And so all their potatoes come from basically around the Idaho Falls region. If we oh, had a different flavor off. of uh, potato, you know, instead of russet using a Norcota, would you get a different flavor in your vodka? Uh, it might be a little bit hard to pick up, but yes, you do. I think wow. you would notice more a difference between um, if you're using like a corn, a completely different ingredient altogether, yeah. you know, corn or rye or wheat. So with that, that process that you just talked about, Andrew, from when you add the potato flakes to when you get the, the finished product, how long does that process take? It takes about 10 days from start to finish. Uh, and that's actually long uh, when it comes to producing vodka. Uh, most vodkas are only fermented or for three at most four days. We ferment for seven days because when the yeast start to die, uh, they start producing uh, lots of acids uh, that then bind with those alcohols, creating esters. Uh, and those esters are what we are looking for to come over in our finished product. And what is an ester? Can you explain that a little bit deeper? Maybe a yeah, little bit I mean, uh, simpler it's, for me. Uh, it's, just the, it's just the binding of alcohol with acetic acid. So like Does it one change of the, the flavor or yes. Yeah, so like one of the main esters that comes over in our distillation process is called uh, isoamyl acetate, uh, which is actually the artificial alcohol that they use to make artificial banana flavoring. So we're not adding banana flavoring, but our yeast produced that alcohol. And during our distillation process, that alcohol comes over in the distillation. So our vodka actually has a faint banana flavor to it. So Andrew Ott and I, we, we work a lot with, with farmers, uh, in, in this area. And yeah, I think that that's, that's great to hear that all of your potatoes are, are from, from local farmers, on uh, this side of the state. And one thing that I read about on your, on the, the Teton distillery website was, uh, some of the, the residuals that, uh, you give back to local farmers and ranchers uh, after after the, the process is complete. Could you talk a little bit more about that and, and what exactly that consists of and, and what those farmers and ranchers use that for? Sure. There's, there's basically two uses you can use it for. Um, one is adding it to silage. Uh, so it has 
the only thing we took out of the potatoes was the starch. All the other remaining nutrients are still there. So if you're looking to add like a nutritional boost to your existing product, that would provide it. It also can be used to just pour back uh, on the land. It adds, uh, so you're returning all those nutrients back to your soil and it uh, helps to increase nitrogen production. Andrew, I'd like to ask a little bit more and give you a chance to brag. This vodka isn't just your standard cheap vodka. You guys are making world-class vodka, correct? You can can you yeah, yeah. maybe right. brag a little bit about it? Yeah. When we first got started, we kind of always thought we would just be kind of a local brand, um, not really expand out from where we are, just kind of have a you know a fun little small family uh, local distillery. Uh, but when we first got started, we didn't have a lot of money to spend on marketing. And one of the things you can do uh, if you don't have a lot of money to spend on marketing is submit your product for different award competitions. Uh, one of the ones that we submitted to is the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, uh, which is the premier uh, competition for spirits in our industry. We submitted for that. It won a double gold the first year we submitted. Uh, we then submitted it again next year. Uh, it won another double gold. Uh, and in order to win a double gold, every single judge who's uh, tasting your product, it's usually about 10 judges, they all have to award it a gold medal. Uh, and they change the judges every year. Uh, so we did that with two di whole completely different sets of judges our first two years out, and they all awarded a gold medal. Uh, and so that kind of made us, uh, gave, got us some attention from a lot of distributors. Uh, we expanded even further. Uh, with our products than we ever thought we would. We quickly went into uh, about 10 different states with our vodka. Wow. Yeah. No, congratulations on that. Yeah. I, I would imagine you all knew that you had an excellent product, but receiving those, those double golds, that probably was, yeah, your, your affirmation that, yeah, we, we have a really good product and maybe we could, we could do a little bit more and, and get this out to more people. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we first started, um, we, our whole plan when we were first doing our first test batches, because, you know, this was all new to us, uh, we went out and bought a lot of potato vodkas uh, and basically tweaked our recipe uh, and just said, does our vodka taste as good or better than these other potato vodkas? Um, so it was definitely a lot of, it was, it felt good to get that recognition that everyone else thought it, it was as good tasting as we did. Prior to this, uh, you know, prior to winning, uh, did you guys have, you know, 10 years of vodka that you were, you know, working towards, or, uh, was it pretty close that, you know, your very first try, you guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, I mean, we did about 50 or so first test batches before we finally decided on what our final process and product was going to be. Um, there are like a, there are obviously a ton of different variables that go into making the product. Um, the yeast that the type of yeast uses is important. Your base ingredient, your water, how long you ferment, and even you know how long you distill, how fast you distill—all uh, those things affect the final taste, obviously. So, if I could go back to kind of more the the process of of making the the vodka, I know that the filtration part—that's that's kind of a big aspect of it. Could you talk a little bit more about that and? I know that uh, also on your website, it talked about how you're able to recirculate your water, which saves uh, a ton of water and, and makes you a little bit more, more sustainable. Yeah, we, uh, we, when we first got built, uh, uh, we built a 1,000-gallon cistern uh, into the ground. 
and we recirculate um, that water throughout all of our ferment for cooling our fermentation tanks and for cooling our stills themselves. So I mean, a lot of uh, if you go to breweries or a lot of other distilleries, uh, they're going to use glycol, or if they are using water, they're probably just, they're just wasting the water. And once it goes through the system, uh, then it goes down into the drain. Uh, we're just constantly recirculating the same thousand gallons and using basically heat exchangers. Uh, we even have block radiators uh, that, that have the cold water running through it. And we have a fan pulling that air through those. Uh, so we get a lot of free cooling uh, on site. Um, the only actual chiller we have is we have a five-ton residential unit outside. We get about 15 tons of other cooling through our other means. Uh, and far as uh, filtration, that's done after the distillation process. Uh, so we'll take the uh, finished vodka off the still. Uh, it's still going to have an extremely strong smell to it. Uh, and so what we do is it's filtered through charcoal, uh, activated charcoal, uh, and that will remove most of the smell uh, from the final product. And the the water that you use, that's straight from the snow melt from the Tetons, correct? Yeah, uh, all that all that melt, all the, the hundreds of inches we get uh, that goes down into you know our aquifer. Uh, we had two on-site wells. Uh, and so we're just pulling the water directly up out of the ground for when we're doing our proofing. Uh, we don't add any kind of chemicals like you might find in city water, like chlorine or fluoride. Uh, but we also don't do any reverse osmosis or water softening. Uh, we do paper filters that keep out dust and dirt. They can't keep out calcium. So we've talked a lot about vodka. Uh, you guys make other spirits as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people know, like you said, that Idaho is the number one producer of potatoes. Not a lot of people know that it's also the number one producer of barley. Um, so we, the main other product that we make uh, is a malt whiskey using hundred percent Idaho malted barley uh, that we buy from a local family farm. Uh, and he's actually the first new malting plant to open in Idaho in the past 20 years. And uh, we were the first distillery to buy from them. That's awesome. And I don't know if this is off limits to know, but how many gallons of alcohol can you guys make in a year or a month or however you would measure it? We do it and typically it's done in nine liter cases. So nine liter cases is 12 bottles and we'll do between 60,000 and 70,000 bottles a year. I don't know what that equates to gallons. That's, <laughs> Cause we, cause we do that's a lot. In, we a do lot. everything in liters. <laughs> As you talked about when you first got started and you started winning these awards and you started to to spread out, I would imagine that that yeah, you started to turn some heads and started to to see receive a little bit of I should say you weren't anonymous anymore for sure. And so one thing that I think is interesting and that I think maybe some of our our female listeners might be interested to know about is um, that you work with uh, a certain actor, entertainer, Channing Tatum, he, he works with you. Could you just talk a little more about your relationship and, and the vodka that you produce with him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, when we, uh, we started getting that recognition for all the awards we were winning. Uh, and then just kind of randomly, we were emailed by Channing's assistant at the time. We thought for sure this was fake and <laughs> not a, not a real <laughs> email, um, but we had some back and forth uh, with him. Uh, he asked if we could send him a bottle of our vodka. 
Uh, when we looked up the address, it was to where his office was at the Sony Pictures lot in uh, California. Uh, so we knew it was probably real. They got the vodka. They tried it. They they loved it. Um, there was a little bit more back and forth uh, after about you know three or four months. Uh, we finally got on the phone actually with Channing. Uh, we were able to convince him to come out to our tiny little valley. They did. They really liked this area. Uh, we took him out to eat at Lynn Canyon Ranch. Went out drinking and playing pool at the Royal Wolf, which is local here. <laughs> um, and we took him out right. It was in January. We took him out riding snowmobiles the next day. And then he bought part of our company. He had a good time. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it was about a, a year of, of, of working on, you know, kind of the brand and label that he wanted to build for his own personal vodka line. And that's the born and bred vodka line. So then when we worked on that for about a year before we finally released that. Yeah, I, I would imagine it sounds like that, that went really well when he came out here. And sounds like he he loved the valley too, because it seems to me that when people come to the Teton Valley, and I'm I'm kind of from that that area, just just uh south there a little bit, that well, after they visit, they usually want to come back and they usually want to stay. So Yes, it's no longer a uh, it's no longer a secret anymore. Uh, people have, have found out about it, and it's definitely grown uh, a ton just in the the six and a half years I've been here. I just have one last question on my side. Looking at your website, there's opportunities for tours. Uh, do you guys put on lots of tours and and show people everything that you guys are doing there? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, since we're on that scenic corridor for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. Uh, the summers are quite busy for us. We have a very tiny little tasting room right now. And so, but during the summer, it's it's packed basically every day that we're open, which is one of the reasons we're expanding uh, as we're hoping to be able to accommodate more people. Last summer was so busy and Yellowstone had record attendance. We were actually having to turn people away just because it couldn't even fit them inside of our building. Yeah, no, that, I was telling Ott, I, I drive over there quite a bit. And I said, Ott, we need to go take a tour sometime. So Andrew, maybe maybe we can swing by and um, you can show us around. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're open on Monday through Saturday. We're planning to open up again for Sunday in the summers uh, from 11 to 6. But yeah, we do, we do a lot, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of tours. <laughs> Just kind of want to go back to you talked about when you made your first vodka. It took you about fifty or so batches, I think you mentioned. Um, and as you've expanded and made different products, could you just tell us a little bit more about the trial and error process for making a new spirit? Um, I would imagine it's probably pretty exciting, but maybe frustrating at times because you're not quite exactly where you want to be. Could you just touch more on that for us? Sure. I mean, good. It's just good scientific process. Just to make, you know, anytime you're doing anything where any every single variable has an effect, you just need to make sure that you're writing quite literally every single thing down that you're doing, uh, and that's just kind of what we do. I mean, we we write down every step, no matter how insignificant. You know, the temperatures at different times, the amount of amylases at different times, amounts of yeast. All those things go into to effect. Um, so we're writing quite a bit down when we're first doing that to form a new product. Um, but at the end of the day, it's we make a product that we like to drink. So we're going to make it until 
it's something that we like to drink. Uh, and then our hope is if we like to drink it, then everyone, other people are going to like it as well. Uh, we don't make anything that we don't like to drink, which is why we don't make gin. <laughs> well, that's really awesome. Uh, I've, I just have one last thing as we kind of wrap up uh, here on the Dirt Road Discussion podcast. We like to look down the road into the future. Uh, what do you see for your company, for uh, potato vodka, for that area? What's it going to be like in the, the next 50 years? Well, I mean, we're expanding here. We're adding 8,000 square feet south of our current building. Uh, it's going to be our new 2,000 square foot tasting room. Our hope is that uh, we will become a destination distillery tasting room. Um, so that when people are coming to the valley, they're coming to the valley specifically to see us. Um, I'd say most of the time they're coming through the valley. They're going to, you know, Grand Targhee or or just driving through because they're going to one of the national parks. We want them to be coming here specifically for us. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that it's it's a very exciting time for you all just with your growth and with the expansion that you talked about. And I just want to say, you know, on behalf of of the agriculture side of it, thank you so much for the support and the the business that you give to to farmers in the area with potatoes and with, with the barley and with all sorts of things. Um, I think that that's really great just for local farmers to, to get involved with, with, uh, you know, a high quality business. And so we appreciate all that you do for agriculture. Thank you very much. Yeah. We, and we appreciate the amazing quality of product that you're putting out. Uh, we couldn't make as good of tasting product, of vodka and malt whiskey if the base ingredients weren't as amazing as they were. Yeah, I would I would say with Idaho potatoes, Idaho barley, and with water from the Tetons, I think you're in you're in good shape. Good good yeah, shape. Absolutely. So <laughs> uh, once again, we've been joined by Andrew Bozar with Grand Teton Distillery. Uh, if you want to go check out more about their business and, and some of the products they offer, they're at tetondistillery.com. Um, Andrew, thank you so much again for joining us here on Dirt Road Discussions. We're excited to see uh, where you guys head in the next few years and, and wish you all the best of luck. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Once again, thanks so much for joining us here on Dirt Road Discussions, and we will see you down the road. Mm-hmm.